Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info Podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. Hi, I'm talking today with Ken Coleman, ASE Master Tech at Great Falls Auto Repair in Great Falls, Montana. Ken, welcome to the show. Why, thanks for having me, Tony. No, it's great to have you here. You know, when you and I spoke, we were talking about all the complex vehicle systems that we have to work on today. And I know that's kind of your bread and butter. You know, we had a fabulous conversation about emission control systems, and you know quite a bit about them as it turns out. So let's start with the history of these things we call emission controls and where they came from and, and what they actually do. Well, cars are terrible for the environment, as they keep reminding us. And throughout the years, we have gone from bad to much, much better. We first started seeing emission controls back in the 60s. Actually, the emission devices, we always think of them as really complex, but they started out as the most simple mundane things that you tend to overlook in the cars, like the PCB valve. The first steps towards dealing with the emissions was getting the crankcase gases under control. And we moved on from there to the EGR valve, and even up to EVAP systems. And as we get further and further along and more complex, these emission systems need to be diagnosed and they do fail. Tell me a little bit about the EGR system. And that's the one I think we're most familiar with, but it really has kind of evolved over the years. What does the EGR valve do? The EGR valve was designed specifically to deal with one noxious gas called the oxides of nitrogen. What happens is the intense pressures and heat inside the combustion chamber basically make a gas called oxides of nitrogen, which is various combinations of nitrogen and oxygen. And once they get into the atmosphere, create a little thing called smog. And it makes the air quality really, really bad. If we can cool down combustion temperature, we can stop the production of these oxides of nitrogen as a primary way of controlling these smog gases. And we found out the best way to do that is to channel the exhaust gases back into the intake manifold to take up some of the space that's normally taken up by the air fuel charge. By not having as much of the cylinder's volume taken up with a full charge of air and fuel, it allows the combustion temperatures to go down and is a really effective way of reducing this particular noxious gas. The average age of the vehicle on the road is 11 years. So some of these older vehicles still have some of these systems on them, and not a lot of them are more mechanical than electronic, I would imagine, from the old days, right? How are EGR valves controlled? Well, from the beginning, they were mainly controlled with vacuum diaphragms and uh, vacuum control devices like vacuum switching valves. As they have evolved, they are getting more and more electronically controlled so that the PCM can take better control of it to more dynamically inject the exhaust into the cylinder to better control the temperature. We've gotten to the point that we're actually starting to move away from mechanical valves and that we can control valve timing directly in our newer engines and cause valve overlap to actually work as an EGR valve now. And with that complexity, everything's more controlled by the PCM. 
so the whole idea of the EGR is to control combustion temperatures. And as you say, you know, we can do that different ways, but for the vehicles that still have them, what are some of the typical issues that the vehicles run into when, when the EGR fails? What are some of the symptoms, some of the failure modes? The most common symptom we're going to see with an EGR failure is a code set in the PCM, something along the lines of a insufficient EGR flow. Different manufacturers have used different ways to determine if the EGR valve is working. For example, Ford used to use a device called the DPFE, which is basically a pressure differential sensor that could tell when exhaust was flowing through the EGR valve by just the pressure difference on either side of an orifice in the EGR tube. Whereas Nissan was known to use EGR temperature sensors that they would actually directly measure the temperature of the exhaust gases going into the EGR valve. The mechanical controls you said are giving way to more electronic controls. What are some of the ways the electronic controls work? The first ones we saw with actual electronic controls would be, for example, the Ford electronic sensor that would actually sense the position of the EGR valve. The electronically controlled EGR valves use basically a stepper motor, a lot like an idle air control valve, and it would have a pressure sensor built into it as well. A perfect example of this is going to be your standard Honda electronically controlled EGR valve where it it has a six-wire connector on it, a positive and negative, that is applied by the PCM to open and close the valve. And then the other wires are going to be position sensor wires so that the PCM can tell exactly where the valve is. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at automotivetechinfo.com. And now back to our interview. The stepper motor is used to control the valve itself. What are some of the common failure modes? Is it largely always a mechanical failure or can there be some electronic gremlins in there that you have to diagnose as well? The different brands actually have different common failure points. A really common failure point for Honda, for example, is they used to have a lot of problems with soot plugging up the intake manifold passages. Mm. So if you don't have a passage from the valve to the intake manifold, it can't suck the exhaust gases in and it's completely defeating the purpose. The common fix for that is pulling off the intake manifold and reaming all of this soot out of there until you get a good passage again. Whereas Ford tended to have problems With the valves themselves, the diaphragms would break and they wouldn't open enough. They also did have a tendency in some of the V8s to plug the intake manifolds as well. Whereas if we look at uh, some of the other brands like Toyota, they had a vacuum switching valve that would control the opening and closing of the EGR valve. And those switching valves themselves had a tendency to fail. What are some of the things that you need to really, you know, keep in mind when we're talking about 
diagnosing, say, an EGR valve on an older Ford or an older Toyota? What are some of the differences and similarities? Honda has a mechanical problem where they get plugged up and it isn't actually functioning. Toyota has a control side problem because their vacuum switching valves are what fail. And Ford has a sensing problem and that their most common failure is the DPFE sensor not sensing that the EGR valve is working. Well, every manufacturer has their own uh, design strategies and, of course, their own operational strategies, which differentiate one type of vehicle from another. I would imagine the same is true for EGR valves. What are some of the, of the similarities and differences between the different models of vehicles? Well, it seems that the more domestic vehicles you have, they're going to be more vacuum controlled, whereas it seems like the Asian models in particular have moved to electronic controls a lot faster. Each of them have their own pluses and minuses. Your strategies for diagnosing are going to be different based on which kind of valve it is. If a vacuum-controlled valve, obviously you're, you're going to be testing with mechanical tools like a vacuum pump, whereas the electronically controlled valves, your voltmeter is going to come out. You're going to be using, if you can, you're going to be using the scan tool to actually command the valves off and on as your first line of diagnostic. Typically, I would imagine later model vehicles obviously are going to be more electronic. What's kind of the break point? Again, given the fact that vehicles, as I mentioned, are about 12 years old, you know, that would take us back to the early 2000s. What types of systems are typical on, say, the later model vehicles versus, say, something from the early 2000s? The nice thing is, is by the time of the mid-2000s, OBD2 had been out for, you know, half a decade. And all of the systems have become much more stable in their operation. And we see a lot less EGR codes after about the year 2000. Typically, you have a lot more problems with pre-2000 vehicles in EGR-specific problems. By the time you get to the mid-2000s, if you've got an EGR failure, it is much more likely to be an electronic failure or the failure of the actual physical valve itself versus the plugged intake problems and vacuum control problems that we had in the mid to late 90s. Well, Ken, this has been a great start to a longer conversation, but it seems we're out of time for today. We'll continue our discussion of emission control systems in our next episode, so be sure to join us. Ken, I want to thank you for your time today, and I'll look forward to sharing more of your insights and tips next time. Absolutely. We've been listening to Ken Coleman, ASE Master Technician at Great Falls Auto Repair in Great Falls, Montana. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that you'll join us when we continue our exploration of emission control systems. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.